Enough about money, Jeffrey. Let's talk about photography. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> there's no money in photography. <laughs> All right, fine, fine, fine. You want to start? You want to? You want to go, Mister? Yeah, I do. You want to go? Yeah. Fine. Let's go. It's Tuesday. It's on taking pictures. My name is Jeffrey Zadors from Faded and Blurred. With me is Cranky Pants Bill Wadman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about photography. Woo. Wow, we're off to a hell of a start today. <laughs> Everyone listening is just like, wow. Like, I have, to, I have to clear my schedule. The next 90 minutes are going to be a whirlwind. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, hey, how are you, Bill? I'm good. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I, uh, um, uh, yeah. So, I was, what I was telling you before was that the Russians paid me. Yeah. Uh, t- last week or a week and a half ago, I get this email. Remember last uh, winter I did those pictures of snow angels? Of course it would have to be winter. Yeah. No, the cold. The snow. Um, <laughs> uh, remember, so I did the snow angels. So I yes. get this email from a graphic designer in Moscow. Right. Um, who is doing a banner ad for some bank in Russia. And it's all, like the concept is about snow angels. They found my picture and they she wanted permission to be able to use the picture in a comp. Right. And they maybe would use it for the final thing. And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. And then they come back to me and they say, we want to use it for the final thing. But they usually buy stock photography from, say, Shutterstock. And uh, I don't really do my stuff as stock photography that way. It's just not my thing. Right. Um, but they wanted to buy this picture. And it, it's peanuts. It's, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Uh, did, you, did you have to deliver it in a briefcase? Well, that, so that's the thing. So, you know, literally, uh, I'll be open with with numbers on this just because it's interesting so it's it's a banner ad that's going to be shown for three months it's like nothing right so they would have paid what like a hundred bucks for the stock photo maybe eighteen dollars for the stock photo yeah Uh, they were paying me a couple hundred bucks for the picture that's fine um but it was one of these things where it went back and forth for a week of oh can you please put it on a stock thing so we could buy it there because we want the guarantee of the contract and i'm like i'll send you a contract and i send them the contract and they say that the wrong name is on it and i have to re-sign it going this way you know it's like back and forth for two hundred dollars you know what i mean like it's just it's just this kind of stuff where i'm like really am i i might as well just give it to you at this point like i'm spending more money doing the paperwork than i am actually getting paid um but finally uh this morning i woke up and there was a paypal payment in my account from uh, uh from, okay, from so, a Russian so after mobster. All that, yeah, after all that, it was just PayPal. <laughs> it was just okay. PayPal. <laughs> nice. But uh, but I was actually surprised because last week I wrote on Twitter, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to see this Russian money. And here it is huh. in my PayPal account. Now, it could be from a corrupt PayPal. <laughs> it could be from some sort of a stolen PayPal account for all I know. But, you know. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it, it, sound pretty, it, sound it is pretty a bank legit. after all. Yeah, sounded legit. Uh, how you doing? I'm uh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Um, you know, yeah, I'm doing okay. Okay. Uh, so this this last weekend, I went and uh, took some pictures of a uh, lovely young lady. Right. For uh, for this continuing series of nudes that I've been working on, and um, I was talking to her significant other, this guy, and uh, he was telling me the, the way that he reads books. He reads these books, and then he takes notes, and then he copies the notes, and then he reads the notes. 
uh, it's like this crazy system for reading books to acquire all of this knowledge. And these are all like nonfiction books. So it's all these, you know, it's, it's all the people that we normally talk about. Right. Um, like, what is he, he reading? Like technical journals or no, what's, like what's, what's Ray Kurzweil stuff and, you know, marketing books. And sometimes there's fiction in there. There's, you know, Diaz stuff in there, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. And, um, and he was, I was saying, and then his girlfriend said, you know, yeah, he remembers all like the names and dates and everything because of this system. And I was like, man, first of all, I don't remember names and dates. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. But the other part of me is just like the names and dates don't matter. It's the structures around these things that really matter, you know, but whatever to each his own. But it kind of got me thinking of the fact that I'm not good at remembering names and dates in general, but I'm very good at remembering like spatial things. Like I was telling you before when we were in Venice like I had our whole area mapped out in my head within hours of getting there. Like I just, I have that way. And that place is a literally a maze. It's like a, it's like a maze that if you shrunk it down one hundredth of its size, it would be a, a, a maze for mice. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Okay. And it kind of got me thinking that that's what comes easily for me. For this guy, what comes easily is remembering all of these facts. Like he has that sort of didactic memory kind of thing. Right. Um, well, yes and no. Well, I mean, he, he, doesn't, he works I, on it too, I guess. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, doing he's, this process he's making notes, right? right? Yep. True. Um, Although coincidentally, yeah. uh, I, I still have my copy of A Tale of Two Cities from high school that I did very similar annotations to it. I mean, I underlines and notes in the margins, and it really helped me understand the story better. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, yeah, I, I, I've never been that kind of person who does that, but then I don't read nearly as much as most people. You know, Conrad reads like six books in a week. I, I read six books in a year. Right. Um, you know, uh, here's a startling statistic for you I read. Uh, how, many, how many books the average person will read after graduating high school for pleasure for the remainder of their life? Average. Yeah. On average. Ten. One. One. One book. So almost nobody reads books. And then there's like the, the people like. Conrad, right. who read now, magazines, people read a ton of magazines, but statistically, the, the average, the U.S. average is people will read one book for pleasure for the remainder of their lives once they leave high school. Well, you know what? That's kind of like the, uh, the statistics about the amount of people that own have passports in the United States. It's like 20% have passports. Is it really? Yeah. It's something like that. So that means Mine like 80, is expired. That means that 80% of America has never or will never leave the country. Right. Yeah. Anyway, interesting enough. Uh, so I kind of was thinking about the fact that this obviously is something he works at, but it, it, it's natural for him to, to learn this way. And, sure. and I have this weird spatial thing that, that is good for me or, or, or another example would be how I learn how to do stuff, say in Photoshop, or whatever it is. I've never taken a Photoshop class. I just play around with stuff until I figure new stuff out. Like I'm an autodidact that way. Right. Um, it's the same way that I learned programming. It would just be like, Oh, I want this thing to be up here. Okay. How do I get that thing to be up there? And look, 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 look until you find the answer, you know, and you like learn it piece by piece. And sure. One of the pro one of the possible problems with things like that is you waste an enormous amount of time, uh, getting from a to B because you're getting there the first time. Yeah. But then you, if, if, if you generally people who learn that way, retain that stuff longer, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, at least I found, you know, and plus that's part of the fun, right? You know, um, is trying for to you. figure it out. Yeah. For, for people like me, right. Many people just want the juice. They just want the sauce. They just want the, okay, how do I do this? Yeah. Which, which is what I'm looking up. I'm just, you know, it's, you know, it's just my different way of doing it. But I guess my point is that 
what comes easily to me is not what comes easily to you or to the next person. Is, sure. Is, is something coming easily to you a good thing in the sense that is that what you should – if somebody says, oh, Billy's really talented at spatial stuff – you know, of, of, of remembering things, maybe he should go, I don't know, be a navigator or whatever it is. Like, is, is that what we call talent? Something that comes easily to you? And if it comes easily to you, is that the thing that you should pursue? Or should you pursue the things that don't come easily to you in an effort to sort of more well-roundedly better yourself? Hmm. What do you think? Well, I, what do I think? Why, why do you, why are you uh, uh, split on this? You sound, you sound. Well, okay. Because things like, like, like illustration and design and, and, and that always came very easily for me. I mean, I was drawing since I was a very small child. Yeah. Um, and, and for years wanted to be an illustrator, uh, wanted to be an animator specifically. Um, because it came very easily for me. Right. But just because that part came easy doesn't mean that it held my interest or that it would hold my interest. And ultimately it didn't. I, you know, there are, I think I'm competent as an illustrator. I don't think I'm good. Um, because I think it's something that you have to work at. It's a, it's a, it's a muscle that needs to be flexed. Yeah. And Yes, part of it comes easy, or maybe the rudimentary things come easy for me. I mean, you know, people like Beethoven and Mozart maybe maybe went a lot further in what came easily for them. But for me, what the, the part of it that came easily still required work to refine and hone. Okay. And, and that work was something that I wasn't willing to put in because my interests started moving elsewhere. You know, that's an interesting idea that I hadn't really thought about, which is just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you actually want to do it. Right. You know, I I was good at music. And yeah, I know I went and got a degree in music, but I don't want to do music, even though it comes fairly easily to me. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's there's this whole coming easily physically, but maybe not coming easily mentally or emotionally. Yeah, that's interesting. And there also might be a thing where, you know, you may be good at illustrating, but maybe your father was an illustrator and it always pissed you off because he always made you illustrate. And you're like, I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> you know, there's also, there's all that kind of stuff too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you see that in photography, you see very intuitive photographers that, that just, they just see that you just they hold a camera up to their face and they just see things and you look at their photos and you go, huh, I never would have, I never would have pictured that. I never would have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I think, yes, there, there is this idea of things coming easily for you, but that doesn't mean that you have the interest or, or, you know, the, 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 the lean in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. How, I mean, how does, for you, how did writing fit into that? Um, writing came out of reading for me. Okay. I read a ton as a kid. Like, like one book when you got out of high school? One book when I got out of high school. Um, but I read it over and over. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, at one point I, I was reading, you know, a couple books a week and there were stories that, that 
I wanted to know more about or questions that I had, and I would write down questions, um, mostly from nonfiction books. Uh, but f- fiction-wise, I would find somebody, like if I read one particular book, I would find all the things by that author, and I would go read their catalog, and then I would move on to somebody else and read their catalog, and move on to somebody else and read their catalog. Um, and writing just came out of that. It was commentary about it. It came out of discussions about the things that I was reading. Okay. Interesting. I, I just, yeah, I just, I, you know, dealing with, with people and taking portraits comes easily to me. Um, like that process, but I'm wondering if that, I'm wondering if it's, if, if that's the cosmic thing trying to tell me what to do or if that's, or if that's a, uh, a, a, a siren call. Maybe you need to change the way you do it. Yeah. You know, in fact, I told you I was going to mention this. Uh, I was talking to uh, Carl Taylor about you. Uh-oh. What did Carl Wait, Taylor have to say? He thinks uh, that, that at least one option is for you to go medium format because it will change the way you, you, you shoot. Well, but, if, not, but not yeah. buying a medium format back for your 500 cm because the medium format back is going to so far exceed the resolving power of the lenses that you currently have that that's just kind of a silly choice he suggested that you get like an h3 um which you can get a h3 with a lens for less than 10 grand uh and then it uses the current lenses it uses the the current lenses for the h5 wait an h3 with a back and lenses for 10 grand yep you can get a money bay and uh, then you're at 30 something megapixel. Yeah. See, I don't see I don't know. I if if I was going to go medium format, I'd want to go at least 40 or 50 megapixel. Just cuz like if I'm going to spend 10 grand, I might as well spend 18 grand and you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and guessing it's going to last well. Wait, that was his, that was his big advice that I should go medium format? It wasn't his big advice, but it was one of the things that he was talking about because it will change the way you shoot. It changes yeah. your approach. It changes people's perception. It yeah. changes uh, what you're able to. Uh, the the end product is is so much different. Sure, there's a tonal difference. Uh, there's a qualitative difference. I'll tell you if 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 somebody listening or Carl would like to loan me twenty five thousand dollars, then uh, I'll I, I would definitely go for it. But then but then you've got no stake in it. No, well that's the thing is that I just if I had the money, I would definitely consider it. Um, it's just a matter of, of figuring out how to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's something I've definitely considered, you know, speaking of, speaking of cameras, um, uh, I, I am, I am in the process of selling that X 100 S the Fuji. Oh, you are. I didn't know about that. Okay. Yeah, so you are selling. I'm going to sell it. Okay. So it cost me twenty nine ninety nine. I bought, filters i got that case for the bottom i bought extra batteries and i'm selling all of it for 1200 so save you a hundred dollars off the list price and you get an wait, extra- wait, wait. you just said it cost you 29.99 there's no or, way i mean i'm paid- sorry i'm sorry 12.99 okay i was gonna say there's no way you paid three grand for that camera it costs 1300 i'm gonna sell it for 1200 because it's like a month old brand new sure and i'm giving you uh an extra battery uh the front lens thing and the case on the bottom so it's like 1400 dollars worth of stuff for uh 1200 bucks uh, I thought you were going to keep it. Hmm. No, getting rid of it. In fact, it was funny. Somebody, uh, mill it. You know what it is, Jeffrey? Hmm. I just can't. It's it's not worth twelve hundred dollars to me. You know what I mean? 
Okay. Like I, I don't like carrying a camera around everywhere I go other than my phone. Like it makes me feel like I'm working all the time. Right. And I just don't shoot that way. I um, think you could have gotten equivalent quality photographs out of the X20. And, and I think you would have liked it because it's smaller, got a little zoom lens. No, the, I didn't mind the, 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 the size, the, the sensors, the lens, all that stuff was fantastic. Um, the, the only thing I didn't like is just I don't like the feel of the shutter and the way the shutter ugh, I don't like that whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's fine. It's just it's just it's obviously great. It's just not for me. But it's funny because Millie over on the the Google Plus group that yep. if you haven't joined, you should join. Yes, you should. Um, I wrote and and she basically said, "Wow, I can't believe you're getting rid of it. I can't leave the house without mine." Hmm. And it's just it just goes to show you how. Different people uh, view the same thing. Well, know? and you guys shoot wildly different things too. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I think, it's, I think it's, maybe you need to get you that new Nikon DF. <laughs> I would like to feel how the shutter feels. Yeah. Like I want to feel like, I want to see if it actually feels like an like F3. Is there is a, it like an F3? What is it? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the size of an F3, but it's the styling is more FE, and, which okay. is kind of weird. I'm surprised they didn't go with, with, Kind of yeah. an evolution to the F4, F5, yeah. F6. Hey, Jimmy, whatever. go in the back and pick out the plans for the F3. And, like, just pull it out and just, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Digitize what, it, what, gut out the inside, and you, put you a sensor You think the Nikon engineers are Italian? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that where you're going with that? <laughs> well, you know, I could go the other way, but I think that would be probably pretty offensive. Um, so... Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 different things, different strokes for different folks. But but you know, it, the value of a piece of gear to you is how much you're going to get out of it. You know, sure. If I traveled See, I, all the time, this is a great travel camera. If I traveled yeah. all the time to cities, it's it's a great for what it was for the trip. It was fantastic. See, um, I have waffled on selling my X Pro, but I just love the way it feels. Right. Well, yeah, but if you're not using it all the time, then. That's I don't use it all the time, but when it's when I want to use it, it's there, and and the results are superb. Right, and and I feel the same way. I just it's sort of like, is that worth twelve hundred dollars to me? Because twelve hundred dollars, mm-hmm. I could buy two Einsteins and one of those battery packs as like a little kit for when I need to go places. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you could get the two Einsteins. They're like six hundred bucks a piece. They're four ninety nine. Are they really? Yep. I thought there were more. Yep. Well, then, yeah, uh, you should get that. Interestingly enough, last uh, Wednesday, I had a shoot for a, for a magazine. I know we're going a little off the script here, but uh, uh, I had a shoot for a magazine, and, and I brought uh, uh, a single Alien B head and then my little Speedlight kit, the whole kit that fits inside of my, um, my what's it called, uh, my uh, Pelican. Pelican. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I brought my Pelican plus one Speedlight just in case. Or uh, one big light just in case. And it's interesting. I shot with the speed lights and then I shot with the Alien B in the same place with the same umbrella. Right? So I replaced the speed light with an Alien B. So same setup. You're just changing the head basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just because I, I did something else and I came back to it and I was like, you know what? I already have the big light set up. Let me just stick the umbrella in here and used it. And it gave me a dramatic, a far more different light than I expected. Like I've never actually done that where I, you know, took a speed light, swapped it out for a mono light 
in the same place in the same th- you know what i mean like i never actually did that okay and what, what was different what was it a was it a describe how the how what what, what was so it was dramatically different about bigger it? and softer ah okay um i think part of it is that the speed light is such a small source where it, with with like a larger monolight it's the tube is much bigger and it's circular and uh it's just it's like a, just a larger source that's hitting the umbrella in the first place even if you have the speed light zoomed all the way out so it's sort of you know going as wide as it can go mm-hmm. uh it just looked very different and it kind of made me it made me uh rethink the idea of using speed lights for a lot of my shoots can you post Side by side, or are you under kind of an NDA type uh, thing? I am right now, but I could certainly do another thing at home just to show. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd like just to see that. Interestingly enough, also, I was working in this uh, studio room at this magazine that I do work for, and they have like a they have a little room that's maybe a twelve foot high ceiling, say fifteen by twenty five or something like that, mm-hmm. that they use as like a little studio that they do video stuff in, and I've shot there a bunch of times all white walls, white ceiling, white floor. And then they have paper that they can pull out and they have a few little like foldable flats for black and white. <clears throat> and, um, th- they wanted to do this like full length portrait of the lady because they were going to, it was a, it's like a health magazine and they were going to put like little, uh, targets, like pull out, uh, different parts of her body, you know, like put labels on like, you know, her legs, this is oh, happening, okay. her arms, you know, like that kind of full page sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. layout. Okay. Like an Ikea catalog or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I needed to do this like full length, really evenly lit shot of her, but also have it sort of, uh, sitting all on white. So I had to have her on seamless. Now, normally if you're going to do this, you set up like a light on her or a couple lights on her. And then you have to set up lights on the background because the lights that are hitting her are going to be a stop or two down by the time they hit the background. And that background's not going to be white enough. This is the, this is the standard way of doing it. If that makes, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, however, a few weeks ago when I went and saw Heisler speak, he showed some pictures that looked like they were taken outside in direct sunlight. And somebody said, you know, did you shoot that outside? He goes, no, it looks like it's outside, but actually it's just a bare head. So like uh, my alien bees or, or your pro photo head or whatever, um, no reflector or anything on it, just sticking up in the air and bouncing off of all of the walls in a white room. And it fills itself in hmm. because there's so much reflection going on that it ends up just being like this big white blast across the whole room. And you don't direct it at the person. You sort of direct it away from the person, like up in the air or off to the side. And in the Heisler examples, he had it sort of, uh, over the person's shoulder behind them so that there was sort of a, there was a highlight of light coming across their shoulder. Like the light, like the sun was behind them a little bit Okay, and they were surrounded by a little rim light type. Yeah, thing? exactly. And that they, okay. and that the rest of their face and stuff was say filled in by big white reflectors in front of them. That's kind of how it looked. Wow. Um, and but he it, wasn't using any reflectors. He was just, just relying was on just the wall. this one light and the bouncing around the walls. So okay. I was thinking, I don't want to bring four lights to this stupid thing. You know, it was just, it's, this isn't a huge shoot. Right. I'm not going to carry a bunch of gear. I'm, I wanted to see if I could use some of these tricks. And I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, I did that little thing where I uh, used the ring light fill with the, with a beauty dish above them for my friends, uh, uh, Mary and her boyfriend. I don't know. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've been trying out some of these little tricks that Heisler was talking about. 
And so anyway, I use this, I put it up, I hit, I, I pop it and it was perfect. It like mm. filled the room. Like it was, um, like, you know, when you see movies and they're like, they're in heaven, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's just the entire room is just this yeah, yeah. wash of white light. Um, that's how it was. I mean, in post I had to like pull the blacks down and stuff, give it some contrast because it fills every shadow to the point where there are no shadows, you know? Um, do you have to add like a little, a little ground shadow under her feet? Yeah, or? maybe I will if they ask yeah. me to, you know, but, but I mean, I think I showed you one of them. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive that it's just one light, you know? Yeah. It looks like it's 12 soft boxes set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and essentially, it is 12 boxes set up. It's soft boxes in every direction, you know? Um, anyway, it was just a neat little trick that I wanted to, to, to bring up. But, um, yeah, lots of, lots of shoots in the past week. Interesting stuff. But uh, it just goes to show you, like, what you end up using. So, you know, if the Fuji, if I could sell that and, and buy some lights that I will use more... That's probably a better idea, you know. Yeah, good. I don't know. Whatever uh, gets you shooting. Let's let's talk about uh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna do the voice, but I do it, do it, do it. No, I start cracking up. What are you gonna do? <laughs> By the way, somebody I, I met recently said Jeffrey's got a great laugh. <laughs> Thank you, whoever that was. Uh, okay, so so we we've talked about this before. This is there's a documentary that you actually hipped me to um, called Wings for Wheels. Yeah, it and came, it is came in a box set of the re, 25 year reissue of Born to Run. Right, which is in my opinion the greatest rock record ever made. Um, and so this documentary chronicles the making of the album. Yep. And, and first of all, I find it fascinating that that they were recording so much of on video. I mean, recording so much of the making of this record. Well, it probably would have been, would have been film or video. Uh, looks like it was video because That's when you early when he's, video nineteen seventy five. Oh yeah, it's it's and it's horrible when he's when he's sitting in front of the console and and you know some of the lights they just blow out to these big white discs. You know, there's no fall off whatsoever. It's yeah. just either like on or off kind of a thing. Anyway, um, several things struck me about this documentary, uh, one of which was the tenacity of Bruce in producing this record. Uh, they had produced two records. They produced uh, uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, and uh, the second one is... Uh, Oh, what was their second record? Uh, Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle. East Shuffle, yeah. Yeah. So, but Columbia was at the point where if this isn't a huge hit for you guys, you're done. We're isn't dropping. that crazy? Same, yeah. same thing happened, by the way, to Hall & Oates. Yeah. First two yeah. records didn't do all that much, and they were like, all right, we'll give you a third. Nowadays, Jeffrey, they put out one single to a radio station in L.A., and yeah. if people don't call in to request it a bunch of times, they don't even make the album. Yeah, you don't get the record. You don't yeah. get the <laughs> so, so they're talking about, you know, this, this whole thing, it chronicles the making of Born to Run. And Bruce was trying to do something that nobody had done before in his mind. And I think they achieved it, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but the amount of, 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 of time and effort and care and and writing and rewriting and recording and re-recording. They spent six months recording the song Born to Run. Yeah. 
Six months on one single. It's funny when they go back and listen to it in the sh- in the show. They they uh, they keep bringing up all these parts that never made it into the final mix. Yeah. String sections, big choruses full of like you know like uh, gospel singers, right. all kinds of stuff like that. And you you almost think even twenty five years later that they wouldn't look at that and go, oh god, <laughs> what did we do? You know? Yeah. But th- this was an exploration. This was a this was an artist exploring. His vision, his craft, his his dreams, his desires, his this this record for for Bruce would become the hinge pin for the next 25, 30 years of his professional career. Yes. Do you do you think that the that the time that they took to create the Born to Run song was necessary for him to define the process to make the other eight songs yes. or whatever? Yes, I think it was necessary to define the process, and I think it was necessary to show his collaborators his level of commitment to his art. Okay. Like, and, and, like I'm, I'm going to wear them down by – I'm the general, and I'm going to stay up for the next 72 hours to show my soldiers that I'm serious. I think maybe there's some of that, but I don't think it was to wear them down. I think it was to inspire them. That we are, we are making something greater than a rhythm section and some strings and my voice. We're making something greater than that. Something is going to happen when all of these things combine perfectly into something that will be amazing. Uh, funny enough, though, after that six-month recording, his drummer and his piano player quit. Yeah, uh, David San- <laughs> David Sanctius left, uh, but but they ended up getting Max Weinberg and Roy and yeah. Roy, yeah, and who who have been sort of the anchors for the E Street Band ever since. Point taken. Um, so you know, it it just I think it's a fantastic testament to to going all in on yourself. <sighs> okay do you do you think that Going all in on yourself. This 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 was a def- this this was a watershed moment for Bruce Springsteen. And rather than when staring down the barrel of this thing, push it away or go in a different direction, he went, "Yes, either I'm going to do it or it's going to kill me. I'm going to. Those are the choices." Is there a line between going all in on yourself in with 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 good intentions and on the other side self delusion or masturbation? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, the the, the other side of that the the of the tenacity and 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 this sort of stick-to-itiveness that that Springsteen displayed on this record was his talent. Right. His talent as a writer, his talent as a musician, his talent as a leader of these, you know, sort of ragtag group of musicians that, that, that came together and ultimately formed one of the greatest bands in the world. Should have called them ruffians. Ruffians. Yes. <laughs> Scallywags. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's, there's a scene where they're, um, he's in the booth and he's got the headphones on and he's singing and he just he keeps like no let's do another take let's do another take let's do another take yes and everyone's just miserable and whatever it is and I will tell you as somebody who's spent a lot of time in studios and recording and that kind of stuff um, 
while, while I understand trying to get it right, there were also moments there where it felt like <sighs> there's a point at which I was just like, uh, is, is he being a whiny artist to be a whiny artist? You know what I mean? Like he's like, like it's my party and, and I'm going to stop the world if it's, if it's not what I want, even if I don't really know exactly what I want. Now, nowadays, 25 years later, he was proven right. He got it. He, he, they did it right. Um, and he will, he can talk about it in much more egalitarian terms because he's had this career and he's mellowed a bit and whatever it is, but he seemed like a real nightmare back then. in in some of those scenes, the point taken. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a scene where, where, uh, Jimmy Iovine is talking about guitars and yeah. amps and how he had, he had, he had this one guitar his guitar that's the, the, the one that he used in, in, on the record yeah um, but he had this wall of amplifiers and and he would play something and go nope let's do it again nope let's do it again and they were they were working literally from from eight nine in the morning until four or five in the morning sleeping for a few hours and then coming back and yeah. yes I mean hindsight has proven that it worked but he's got that same work ethic and has had that same work ethic on album after album after album after album. Some have worked, some have not. Yeah. But this idea that he's got a vision that, that he's willing to see through has, it's not a result of having money, power or status. It's just the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's interesting. The, the, the album cover of born to run the Eric Miola shot. Mm -hmm. Um, it says here in the Wikipedia entry that he shot 900 frames to get that picture. That's wow. a lot of pictures in three That's hours. a lot of pictures, yeah. Um, also interesting, uh, 35 millimeter. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, hey, sometimes small works. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I, look, I, just thought, it's, I love that documentary. I think everyone, we're going to put a link in the show notes. Apparently somebody stuck it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's up on YouTube. Which I'm actually surprised about. I'm surprised it's still up there. So go watch it while you can. Yeah. Okay. Let me just add this to the thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, go let us know what you think. Cause I, yeah. I think that that is a, uh, a great topic. I think it is a great, um, it's a great example of, of, of that kind of stuff. And I find, I found that very inspiring. I've watched it probably a half dozen times. Yep. Me too. Um, me too. it's good. I like, um, do you think that there's a sense in that, you know, I read an article yesterday that was on, I think in variety, which I'll have to find. Uh, I, I, I was, I was, I was, um, I was, I was reading variety magazine. Somebody put up a link, which I'll have to find, uh, about how albums don't work anymore. And here's why. You know, it was it was one of those kinds of things, hmm. and it was talking about Katy Perry and how Katy Perry has sold like you know two hundred thousand copies of her new album, and even uh, Paul McCartney and Elton John, neither of them are even in the top fifty right now of of, of album sales, and that albums don't really work anymore because people don't listen to albums and and that whole thing, you know, and even if they did. Like what is selling well is that who's the, who's the Lord? You know what I'm talking about? There's that singer Lord. You know what I'm talking no. about? 
there's this well there just shows you how close you are into the world yeah how tuned in you are is it um the, is it the lord no it's lord with a with an e at the end anyway she's this british singer and that that record is selling well and his his argument was that uh that you know good music is still good music and if it's not good it's not going to sell no matter how fantastic and fancy you are mm-hmm. you know uh and that the idea that 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 people need to go in and we need to make music in chunks of 10 songs at a time you know was was a limitation and a a requirement of the music industry from 1950 to 2000 or whatever and that that was an artificial constraint that was put on people that people now think is the right thing. Very similar to say 24 frames. We love the way 24 frames a second looks. Well, you love it because you know, that's what you're used to. But originally they just made that decision because that's as fast as they needed to go for it to look smooth, to save money on stock, you know, film stock. Uh, Go ahead. What are you gonna say? I I think this gets us to something. Maybe we should, the, the, the options, discussion that okay yeah yeah okay so let me just let me just finish yeah. one thing so um you know his his whole thing was that like you know we have to put away the idea that you have to make 10 songs maybe you make one song and you put it out and see how people take it you know and that's okay the idea that you have to make this artist statement well no one cares about your artist statement anymore you know your 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 10 12 song your 66 minute album you know that kind of thing mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. So anyway, I just I just thought it was it, it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting article, and I'll, I'll I'll find it and put it in the show notes. What what was your thing? Well, I, uh, okay, yeah, we can do it. Now. It's this this idea of choice, this idea of options. There are there are so many more options for everything: music, yeah. movies, books, cameras, lenses. You know, when I was at the Photo Plus Expo, I saw lots of options. Yeah. Uh, and and there's an interesting article up on on NPR. Uh, it's an, an interview with with uh, Barry Schwartz, actually from a TED Talk, I think. Yeah. Um, about you know, are are people happier with options, with more options? Because it seems that we we want choice. That's freedom. We we associate choice with freedom. Yep. Or freedom with choice. And he uses uh, salad dressing as an example that that there are a hundred and whatever different kinds of salad dressing in, in his grocery store. But uh, there are six that are top sellers. Yeah. But everybody wants to put out something new and different and that's going to be better because now you have more choice. And, and the data would suggest that we are not happier with more options, nor are we any more free with more options. Well, I guess, okay. So it's interesting. The, the, the corollary of this is some a talk a TED talk that Gladwell gave, mm-hmm. talking about uh, um, pasta sauce, tomato right. sauce, right? And saying you know back in the day it was like ragu, and then Prego came out or whatever it is, and there were two options really that people used, um, and that they they realized that if you made one that was more garlic and roasted peppers or whatever it is, and you made one that was you know some other kind. That when you gave people options, you sold more. Now, the the I guess there there are two competing drives here. There's the drive for happiness of the consumers or the the people, mm-hmm. and then there's there's the sales of the companies that are selling them. 
can all these com- camera companies are selling far more cameras than they were 15, 20 years ago. Cause they have that many more models and all that kind of crap. But yeah, is, is, is the end result more satisfying for the user? You know what? I'm going to put this in perspective for you, Bill. Okay. You're going to tie it all up in a nice, I'm, neat bow right I'm going now? to tie it all up in a nice, neat bow. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. in and out Burger doesn't sell tacos. Yes. Here, here. No, it's true. They sell. Yes. However, you can get a double, double. You can get a triple, triple. You can get a yeah, animal. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Style. It's the same four yeah. ingredients. They, they, they sell, they sell hamburgers, they sell fries and they sell shakes. And they do it really, yep. really well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and people love it and people are happy. And you know what? You know, back in the day, uh, sure, there were a billion different cameras people could use, but people used Leica, M's, Rollies, and Hasselblads. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was what people used for a long, long time, for 20, 30 years. Right. Um, and no one was complaining that we didn't have the camera we needed to get a certain shot. Because these- yeah, I mean, I, I think choice is good, but choice reaches a point of saturation where adding more choice yep. doesn't become good. It becomes confusing. It becomes yep. limiting. It becomes a barrier that one has to overcome in order to move beyond it. Yeah, which which is, yeah, and it starts to make you question uh, whether whatever problems you're having and what you're doing are because you made the wrong choice. This dinner didn't come out really well. I should have bought this brand tomato instead of that brand tomato. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the, the, this sensor on this Nikon isn't giving me the skin tones I want, so I must have to go Canon or Fuji or Olympus or Pentax. Yep. Or like, oh. And none of it, none of it, it doesn't make you happier. It makes you question. It makes you second guess. It makes you have buyer's remorse. It makes you have, you know, it doesn't help. So what's the answer to that, though? By Fuji. <laughs> this week's episode of on taking pictures brought to you by fuji america no i'm just kidding um no i'm kidding i mean look this is this is this is no new news to us this is why we don't read press releases every week right um uh but yeah i mean it it, it is interesting but i mean i guess this is assuming that the ultimate goal is happiness mm-hmm. which you and i tend to think that it is um, but there's plenty of other people who disagree with us. Well, yeah, but at least in America, you're 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 not guaranteed happiness. You're you're only guaranteed that you can pursue it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. I'm 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 in one of those right now. Um, yeah. It's yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I don't I don't know how I feel about the options thing. It's it feels like one of those things that upsets me that I can't do anything about. Right. You know. Well, I mean, what was what's the, what's the the famous Ford? You know, any color you like, as long as it's black. Yes, I have no problem with that. You know, I was looking at something the other day. I mean, even you know, you could say that Apple has forty three thousand SKUs. Personally, I think Apple should just make one iPad. It should be gray. It should have a black front. You know, black or white. Choose one. Don't sell both. Just make it. 32 gigs don't give options you know what i mean like i think the world would be better off if there were less skews in the world yeah i mean look for a long time apple had three versions of everything yep good better and best yep and, and there were subtle differences and i think that i think that the diversity of you know apple as a microcosm i think apple is is getting unfocused 
as of late. They have too many things going on. Uh, I agree. Uh, too many versions of each thing. You know, you go and you know you have to choose this one or that one, but you can't choose this option if you go with that one. And no, oh, you can't get the bigger SSD because unless you get the larger, you know, right. the faster See? processor. And so, you know. so sometimes options do not provide freedom or happiness or allow for freedom or happiness, but they 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 mire you in confusion and self doubt. Uh, I totally totally agree. Uh. Yeah, man, it's so cool. Ugh. Hey, uh, speaking of weird options, which is just something I wanted to bring up. Yes. After this, we'll 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 talk about our sponsor for the week. Yes. Uh, I was on the 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 subway the other day, and uh, there's ads for the Microsoft Surface Pro all over the place. Right? These, you know, the little Microsoft half tablet half. It's like it's not really a tablet because it's it's a full version of Windows, so it's sort of a you know this weird hybrid thing. Is it a full version of Windows? The Pro is, yeah. Mm. the The regular Surfaces RT is the ARM one that's really just sort of the 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 tile interface, but the Pro is Windows eight or eight point one. I guess eight point one now, yeah. Because yeah. people um, couldn't figure out how to not use Windows without a start button. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Um, and well, one of the things that they show sort of, they show these use cases on the screens in a bunch of different ads. And one of them is like this, uh, uh, headshot kind of shot of this girl all marked up with, with Photoshop. It's like, it's a Photoshop interface around it, like actual Photoshop and marked up with, uh, you know, change this up, up to things here, you know, that kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm, retouching mm -hmm. marks Mm -hmm. and, it kind of got me thinking, you know, that's a 1080p display on like a 12 inch screen or whatever it is, uh, with a 1024 level Wacom digitizer with a pen over the top. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to myself as like a onset computer. I mean, yeah, you're not running Mac OS, but you know, if you're inside of Photoshop or Lightroom, who cares? You know, um, that would be a great little machine. If you just wanted to on set to look at stuff and then to like do quick retouching stuff, it's a tablet built in. It, you know, it's like got a it's it's basically a, a a Wacom Cintiq with a computer on the back that weighs three pounds. Um, sure. You don't think that's an interesting thing? I th- I think it's interesting. I'm just surprised that it doesn't get more respect from people because that actually sounds like a really nice little setup. I mean, not for the kind of work I do, but if you were like a fashion person you know you don't have to bring this big giant laptop or this big giant mac pro with whatever it is like you just sit with that little thing and have it plugged into the camera and see your pictures and play with them a little bit it seems like it would be a really good little piece of kit and it's what like 800 900 bucks yeah they're 900 dollars. yeah it's kind of neat though but at 900 dollars, why wouldn't you just get a 13 inch cintiq and connect it to the computer that you probably already have yeah but that's not portable a cintiq is not portable uh, well, uh, then you got a Cintiq and the computer. You know what I mean? Okay, like, so maybe you've got it hooked up to a MacBook Air. Uh, yeah, I know, but it's just, it just seems like well, then you got a thirteen hundred dollar MacBook Air. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. like, that's that's all. It's a whole other level. You know, the Cintiq itself is eleven hundred dollars. You know, for the twelve inch one. Right. I just I'm just saying that like it, it it seems like a nice little piece of kit, and I'm surprised that it. I guess what I'm saying is that it's a good answer to a good use case that Microsoft doesn't get any respect for. That's all I'm saying. And I think um, I'm proud of them for putting it in an ad 
Because it's kind of like I looked at it and I was like, you know what? I If I did that kind of work or I needed something like that, that's actually a decent solution. No, it's an interesting device. Um, I, I do think it's an interesting device. Uh, yeah, I can see where you're going with that. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It was a cool lab. Now, what, okay, what's the difference between the Surface? Because don't they have a bunch of models? There's, they have a Surface 2 and a Surface 2 Pro. Okay, what's the, the difference? The, the Surface... The straight surface without the Pro is what used to be called the Surface RT. It's it's an ARM-based one that just has the tile interface. Okay. So that can only use Windows apps, like modern, these new Windows apps, not windowed Windows apps. So that couldn't run Photoshop, for example. The Surface. The Surface. The Surface okay. Pro can. But, there, but there's the Surface, the Surface 2, and the Surface 2 Pro. What's the difference between the 2 and the 2 Pro? Uh. Surface 2 and the Surface 2 Pro. The Surface 2 is what was used to be called the Surface RT. It's just the next generation of it. It's okay. like that's like that's like the Surface 2 RT, you know, or okay. whatever. But they got rid of the RT because people were confused by it. But that doesn't really help you. I don't know why they made ARM ones in the first place. They should have just stuck with doing the Intel ones. These Intel processors are getting so powerful, power efficient, and everything. Anyway, it is pretty. Point. I mean, a, a grand with a 128 gig SSD. Yeah, it's nice. Huh. You know. I don't know. I just, I just thought like that with Lightroom and Photoshop on it would be a. Could you imagine if somebody said you could spend a thousand dollars for a thing that weighs three pounds with a built-in digitizer that's 1080p that's this small for you know five years ago? If you told somebody that, they'd laugh yeah. at you. No, it's a good point. It's you know, point. that's just an amazing piece of tech. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay. Hey, who's our yeah, sponsor no, right. for this week? Oh, um, um. What do they do? It's a, it's the uh, with the with the you know with the design and the in the responsive. Oh shoot! What was the name of that company? Square Stock. No. <laughs> Square Space. Circle Space. Circle Triangle Area. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, Squarespace, our 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 favorite uh, all-in-one web hosting software hardware platform. You know, let me tell you something. I wonder what kind of hardware they're running. Speaking of hardware, I wonder what they're running at their data center. I would love to see their data center. Didn't we kind of figure out, though, that they're using some sort of – they're basically like instantiating Java virtual machines to – I don't know. I think they've got a room at the Pentagon somewhere. I think their room is actually in lower Manhattan. (laughs) Not the Pentagon. No. But uh, still pretty cool. Uh, Look, Squarespace, you guys know about these guys. Uh, Yes, it's your all-in-one platform to makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Portfolio, portfolio, or your portfolio. You could make one of those too Uh, for a free trial and ten percent off. Go to squarespace.com portfolio (laughs) and use the offer code push the train. All one word is for November. Uh, You know, Heather. uh, I'm sorry. I should I should say that differently. Conrad, because she prefers that I call her Conrad. Yeah, uh, is is doing a new show, is doing a new podcast, which I'll tell s- tell more about when it comes out. But uh, they they're building a nice little Squarespace website for it. Um, uh, their portfolio app was just I just got a notice yesterday that it's been updated even cooler now. Oh, really? What did they add? Do you know? Uh, slick interface. Okay. Just just you know re- refined it. Okay. As, as they are wont to do. Yep. Um, it's 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 pretty slick. They have good designers that are right up your alley, Mister Minimal. I love who, yeah, I'd love to sit you know, around. I, I do like that Squarespace is constantly improving 
the platform. They got new features, new designs, better support. Like it's not like you buy in and then you're you're going to be stuck with it because like oh they got you and now you know you're on a contract with AT and T or something. You know, um, they're constantly putting new stuff in there. They've got twenty templates to choose from right now. When they launched Squarespace six, what a year and a half ago or last year, I think there were like six, and now there's twenty. You know. Uh, they've won design awards from the FWA, the Webbies, and Forbes, all these kinds of places. Uh, and Jeffrey, as you know, it's easy to use because old people like yourself have a really hard time using the websites. <laughs> is that true? It is true. Uh, yeah. I, I keep hoping that they're going to release a template called Papyrus so I can relate. <laughs> 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 and they've got an amazing support team, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have 70 Squarespace employees that are the customer care team, which live oh, wait, in Wait, is this a new one? Is Supply a new one? I is think there a new one called Supply? Or send yeah. me a link while I'm reading this. Uh, uh, every design automatically includes uh, is responsive down to mobile designs, so your website will look good everywhere, uh, of course. Uh, they have a new uh, 3D visualizer for shipping. So if you're using Squarespace for their new e- for their e-commerce features, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can do with it, uh, like just built in. You can uh, allow you to do uh, figure out product weights, carrier options, 3D packaging algorithms to understand exactly the amount of ordered items that'll fit into the boxes you send us. Uh, you know, it's funny when we were in Venice. A quick aside: I we bought some masks from you know the guy who did Eyes Wide Shut masks. Right. And uh, and he shipped them to us, and they came over in a box that looked like something out of a Victorian. It had so many stamps and labels and, and oh, pieces wow. of paper on it that I took some pictures of it. It was so cool. Um, and, of course, you guys are photography nuts, which is why you listen to our Man, show. Man, this is nice. This, this template is slick. I know. I like that. Supply is what uh, it's called. You can add wow. images instantly by dragging and dropping from your desktop into the browser window. They got full bleed images. Uh, templates so your images go all the way to the edges uh, they got customized fonts color sizes and every squarespace site can make be made to look unique within a few clicks and of course those gallery blocks of images can be stuck inside a blog post and stuff too but yes. you guys know all this stuff go start your trial for two weeks no credit card required uh, when you decide to sign up for squarespace please use mm-hmm. the offer code push the train and you will get 10 percent off this month and uh, go look at supply. This is a gorgeous template. Yeah, Holy go Lord. check out Squarespace and the supply template. And uh, they're everything you need to create an exceptional website. Thank you very much to Squarespace for their support of on taking pictures in 5x5. Five five. Supply, that is pretty. It's slick, right? I like it. It's got the little hamburger menu by default. So it's just clean. Oh, man, this is nice. I'll give you a hamburger menu. <laughs> in and out man. I, look, I love in and out Burger. Don't get me wrong. Not that anybody's ever going to get me wrong. <laughs> Perish the thought. <laughs> are you telling me, Jeffrey, <laughs> that there are people who mistake the things that I say? No, no. You you are the way. You are the light. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a wise ass. <laughs> um, all right. So what do we, what do, what do we got left here? Um, you watch this documentary. You know what everybody should do? Uh, go watch Everybody Street. Everybody should street. Yeah, everybody yeah, did, street. Did anybody? Did everyone watch this show? You know they can't answer you, right? Yes, they can. Right now, everyone's going. <laughs> yes, Bill, we watched the show. <laughs> is that what they're doing yeah. in their in their best little falsetto voice? I I made Heather. You, watch think, you think Freddie Clark is sitting there with his little falsetto? Yes, Bill, <laughs> I watched it. Or or Alan or actually, you know what? I think Freddie is doing exactly that right now. <laughs> 
Freddie's about to beat me up. That's right. Um, hey, Wadman. Yeah. <laughs> Come out with your hands up. <laughs> uh, okay, so we watched this documentary. It's an hour, hour and a half long, right? Yep. yep. Um, Five and, bucks to rent on uh, Vimeo or directly from the site everybodystreet.com. Yeah, and uh, you know, somebody gave a review. I think actually it was a friend of the show, uh, Aberian X Perello. Gave a did a review of the show Ooh. over on Phoblographer. <laughs> yeah. Who? Uh, do we know that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I heard uh, of him. Look, he, this woman who made the the movie, whose name I cannot find at this exact moment, um, went and, and interviewed a lot of people: uh, Elliot Erwitt and Bruce Davidson and Joel Meyerowitz and Mary Ellen Mark and like Cheryl people who. Dunn, it's the name you were looking for, by the way. There you go. Uh, people who are sort of the classic uh, street photographers, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Very, very New York-centric. It's almost yes. entirely New York. Yes. In fact, I think it might entirely be New York. Um, but New York has always sort of been a very street photography happy place. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, uh, that's actually a, a criticism that I have of the film. Okay. I, I would like to have seen other cities represented. I understand that was kind of, that was the point of view. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Huh? Why? Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, No, uh, I agree. No, I agree that I think it was, it was slightly um, myopic in its scope. Yeah. I mean, it was, I I liken this to, there was a a film about street art and, and graffiti called Bomit a while back. Okay. Um, and, and they went all over the world and looked at the scene all over the world because it's different all over the world. The tonality yeah, is maybe different. Maybe she doesn't the have any money. is different. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing it saying it's bad. I'm just saying I, I would like to have seen, you know, street photography in Paris, in London, yeah. in, you know, Melbourne, in yep. Los Angeles, wherever. Yep. Uh, and, and I felt like while there was an interesting, um, you know, the, there were the people who walk up and down Fifth Avenue – like uh, Mermelstein and, and Joel Meyerowitz and those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was like that Bruce Gilden guy, you know, who goes and snaps in people's faces wide angle with a flash and gets beat yeah, up. Yeah, I don't, stuff I like, don't that. like that. That, that that's, to I me, that's I don't like that either. I could never do that. Yeah, not my thing. No. I, I don't want to be noticed. Yeah, so you and I would not be good street photographers in that way. No, no. Uh, uh, we might be good like uh, Saul Leiter street photographers. Yeah. Who they like show one picture of during the thing. Uh, it's... It, I, so my problem, I guess, would be that uh, while it had a, a decent scope of different people shooting different ways, uh, it didn't take any sort of point of view. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know when you watch – did you ever watch a Fog of War? Yeah. Okay. Like even though the whole thing is just interviews with uh, – what's his name? Uh, uh, Robert um, – the hell's the guy's name? Why am I blanking on that? I'm, McNamara. I'm yeah. Even though it's all just interviews with McNamara, you get a sense through the editing and decisions that the, that the guy made while making it of the point of view of the the creator of the documentary. Right. There Doc- was a, there was an opinion. There was a perspective. Yes. There was an agenda, if you will. Right. I and some people would say, well, documentaries are not supposed to have an agenda. Well, yeah, they kind of have to. Otherwise, they're just a collection of facts or a mm-hmm. collection of you know input. Like you're editing, you're making decisions. I felt like there was no decisions made. There was no point of view. You know what I mean? 
It was yeah. just like, I'm going to let this guy talk. I'm going to let this lady talk. I'm going to let this guy talk. There's and no through line. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. connective tissue. Mm-hmm, there's no ligaments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so while it was interesting to people like us, I don't know that it would be, it, it's not memorable in the sense that I feel like it was missing a point of view. Uh, right. You know, I don't know what you think about that. No, I, th- I think that's a, a, a really valid observation. Um, and I, th- I think it's great to see all of these people collected in, in one film. But yeah, there, there wasn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel any sort of shared mission or ethos or intent or purpose. Yeah. To, yeah. It was just, here's what they do. Yes. And not even any sort of, um, there's no narration. There's no, it's all just the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we always bring it up, but that genius of photography does a really good job of interweaving the quotes from people with sort of a, a, a larger story. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. Um, I, I thought it was good. It was also interesting. You know, the, the part where they were bitching about film, you know, Uh-oh. no, 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 no. Gonna- I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I just thought it was really interesting how many of them were very, very, um, very defensive sounding about it, you know, uh-huh. uh, which I just thought was interesting. But then that one woman who's, I think it was it Rebecca, uh, Lepkoff or one of them was just like, I don't care. What difference does it make? You know, like right, got all right, like right, right, or whatever. Right. And I was got like, all, I like her, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, it was just interesting like that. Jeff Bermelstein just seems like a really strange introverted guy, you know, who's just sort of like, I'm going to stay in my own little world and I go outside and I shoot people and then I come back and I stand here and I talk, you know, it seemed very like, wow, like almost a little uh, Aspergery, you know. Do you think there's something to holding on to film, not for film, not for the sake of what film brings to the table, yeah. but what the, f- the hardware brings to the table? Like yeah. they're, they're so comfortable with this camera that, well, I want to use this camera, so I've got to use film because that's what this camera shoots. Yeah, and you know what? I, the great majority of them were, I don't know if you noticed, but like almost all of them were walking around with little film Leicas. Right, you know, right. Because that's the tool that was used for, you know, that's the standard, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. snap-on screwdriver of this world. Right, right, um, right. And I, look, I I have no problem with. It. I mean, is that do they have to use that? Of course not. You know, they can use anything they you know they want. Um, but I mean, my little problem with the little Fuji is that it doesn't feel like what I want it to feel like. So yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if a lot of it isn't more for. Uh, I think at least one of them was using a little digital Leica, which was interesting. You know, she switched over to to using like a digital M or an M nine or something. Um, What's the one that's all black and white? Is that the M? Uh, all black and white. That, that oh, only shoots black and there's white. There's a new digital M monochrome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd I'd really like to. I mean, I've a friend of mine has one, and he completely raves about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, and I'm sure the files that come out of it, and I've seen them, are very beautiful. I wonder how much more beautiful they are than if you just got the color M, took the same picture, and you know played with it a little bit in post i wonder how much different it is you know because the, the the regular digital m's in black and white look amazing already so how much more amazing is it to be limited to just black and white on a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nine thousand dollar body you know what i mean right right right, right. um i i'd love to get both of them and, and try it you know I'd, I'd look again another example of if i was independently wealthy and could spend 10 grand on a camera just for fun 
Like, whew, let's do it. Uh, yeah, anyway. but then you'd, you'd decide that you didn't like it. Oh, uh, really? It. <laughs> it's very rare that that happens. In fact, this is the first camera I've bought in f- three years. Four. It's the first camera I've bought in like five years other than my, um, other than like updating my Canons to the latest and greatest. Right. Uh, and in, in, in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. So what's, what's your final? One to ten. Everybody street. Um seven seven and a half okay I, I give it a six and a half for a seven yeah for a photographer worth watching i don't think that it was like you have to see it i enjoyed i will say this i enjoyed brief encounter the crudson film more just even just more as a film as mm-hmm. a as a as a narrative take take out my my you know, fascination with Gregory Crudson as a, as a person and as a photographer. I just think it was the way it was told was more engaging. Uh, and I, yes, I found myself wandering in this film. Uh, me too. And, uh, I thought that the, the, in no great hurry was better too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really, really well done film. Uh, and, uh, I think you can find that one around too, probably yeah. by now. Um, all right. So that, that's our thing. So iPhoneography. Mm-hmm. New app. Well, updated. Updated app. app. Yeah. Mapbox. Mapbox. See, I, I really liked Mapbox when it first came out. Um, Mapbox and 645 Pro came out around the same time. Okay. And I was bouncing back and forth between them. There were a couple things I didn't like about Mapbox. Primarily, the focus was a little, it was too touch and go for me. I liked the, the theory and in, in what they were trying to do. I just didn't, the practice of it didn't work for me okay. a lot of people disagree uh now so now 18 months later 16 months later something like that Matbox 2 is out completely different interface still that same uh ethos though of of, of simplicity uh there's a dual stage shutter you press and hold to to lock focus and then slide it slide your thumb down or your finger down or whatever i kind of like that because then you're not there's no pressure put on it's like you're not tapping it, so you're not shaking the camera when you tap it. Yeah, and yeah, I like that the quite bu- a bit. You're not pressing the button on the top, which, you know, if, if the volume buttons on these cameras were easier to press would be a much more useful thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's so hard to press that you end up, like, shaking the camera when you try to take a picture. Right. Um, okay, uh, yeah, the camera interface, uh, within reason, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a little bit with the whole idea of the manual. Supposedly, you can do... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, EV. EV. Yeah. Now, what did see, you think of that? Uh, it, well, first of all, you can go. You can only go down a third of a stop, right? You can go up a bunch. Is that true, or is that no? That's oh, not true. Changes. It it depends on your oh, lighting. It depends on how much lighting you have. So that kind of makes me wonder if it's actually doing what we think it is, or if it's, or if it's, um, or if it's really just manipulating the image. You know what uh, I mean? I don't know. Um, yeah. So anyway, Ben, that, Ben Cyberson, but what's it doing? Is it a, is it a real EV? What are you doing, Ben? Yeah, let's, I, I, let's, that is, that is, yes. If you could answer that question, that'd be cool. Uh, I think it's neat though, that it gives you the option. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sold on the way that roller thing jumps between a to M, but then when it jumps to M, it changes the whole roller, the whole wheel. Uh, yes. You know, it's kind of like, well, why not just have a somewhere on that wheel and always have the rest of it? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it kind of spins around. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but that that's very cool. My one main complaint with it, other than the fact that it's crashed a couple on, times on me while using it, is that in the editing mode, you can't zoom in on the picture. Mm-hmm. That drives me crazy. Like, I want uh, if I yeah. took a picture with the camera, I want to go in and make sure that it's in focus or whatever it is before I go start working with it. And I can't figure out how to do that. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. I, I've tried it. That seems like uh, a huge, like, annoying thing. However, I love the idea that there's actually curves. That's amazing. Yep. And and you can you can you can use the existing you know sort of sort of uh, filters or presets. You can swipe through them on the live view. Yep. To see what your photo is going to look like, or you can just go straight and and do it afterwards. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like here. It's. Uh, I agree with you. It's it's crashed on me actually quite a bit, and seems to be crashing more in the edit or review mode than in the picture taking mode. Uh, yes, me too. I almost wish that the um, see, yeah, I I don't have. I know that for some people, like sort of the saving the filters and sharing them is like a big thing. Uh, it's that's not really how I work. I don't ever just stick the same thing on multiple pictures. Mm-hmm. Um. So that doesn't make a difference to me. I, I wish you could. It'd be cool if there was a way to crop. I like being able to crop in the camera mode. You know, so crop me to square or whatever it is. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, in the camera. If they if there was a way to do that, that'd be awesome. So it, it's got a lot of uh, potential. I agree. I, I think it's it's the most powerful of the of the things. And overall, the interface, I think, is very clean. What is it, like three bucks? Five bucks? Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's something like that. I don't know. I, I bought uh, the first version, so it was it was a free upgrade, which that's pretty cool, you know, yeah. in and of itself. 18 months later to go, hey, here's a brand new version, uh, but we're going we're gonna to hook you up with a free copy of it. Free yeah, upgrade. no, no, no. That's, uh, that's totally cool. I just, um, yeah, the crashing is one thing, which, I mean, it hasn't happened to me right now playing with it. Um, you know, my my main problem with any alternate uh, uh, app, uh, photo app on the iPhone is that I can't get to it from the lock screen. Well, that's not their fault. That's a, No, that's I, I know. But I mean, but th- that makes me use the stock one nine times out of ten. Right. Well, you know, because I press the we'll button and a... I slide up because I want to take the picture now. I don't want to unlock the phone and go in to find the thing right. on the second I... page. Um, Hopefully we'll have a jailbreak before the end of the year. So, uh... yeah, so that that would be my one thing it's not their fault but that's a problem i have with with alternate apps on the iphone period mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah it's nice good app though yeah no, well done is. ben uh definitely uh worth a few bucks yeah like Just, you know almost every app like that is i mean three dollars what the hell is that yeah that's a you know a donut um well it's more than a donut it's three donuts they have good say, donuts in in rancho cucamonga um, no. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 they're, they're okay. You know, they're, they're okay. They're okay. There is a great little, uh, uh, uh pie shop called I like pie in Claremont. Yeah. That Wait, make what, these what do they little, sell at I like pie? Uh, cake. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, what, what on Bob's burgers, ice cream, you scream, we all scream for yogurt. <laughs> It's their local yogurt shop. Uh, no, they sell these little these little pies, like single serving. They make them in little jelly jars. Well, they started making them in jelly jars, and then they had these aluminum uh, pans custom spun in England. But 
lovely, lovely. You're going to send me some of those pies? Can they ship them? They ship. They do ship. In oh, fact, they're, they're doing pie. a... Yeah, they're doing a whole new website. They do sweet pies, savory pies, they're, and they're fantastic. I'm a sweet so. pie guy. No savory pies. Screw the savory pies. Well... Savory uh, pies are for British people. The banana cream with, with a caramel drizzle was fantastic. Mm, okay, that yeah. sounds good. I'm coming out and we're going to Gap Pie. <laughs> Wait, you're supposed to come here first. Yeah, I got to come there first. Uh, what's next? Uh, what, what did you think of this, this resistance and self-loathing? You want to talk about Stephen Pressfield? We, I like did, Pressfield. What did we talk about Pressfield before? We we discussed. We've mentioned him a couple times. Yeah. Um. Basically, he's saying that the thing that inside of you that is telling you you're worthless is not you. That it's something separate, and it's something separate that you have to fight against. That he calls the resistance. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's an interesting thing to 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 consider. The, the thing that you think is your internal uh, uh, what you think is internal commentary is actually a to, to, to cleave it off and say, no, 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 that's not me. That's the thing that's trying to stop me. Right. And, and, and as, as a, almost like a mental game to overcome it, turn it into the enemy. Right. And it, and it's, it's clever. This, this, this resistance. It is clever. You know? He says, uh, self-loathing attacks our character. Mm-hmm. Quote, you have no self-discipline, no self-respect, end quote. Self-loathing is so smart, it even indicts us for our own self-loathing. Quote, the fact that you're thinking this at all is proof of what a loser you are, end quote. But he says, <laughs> here's the mistake that we make when we listen to the voice of self-loathing. We misperceive a force that is universal and impersonal and instead see it as individual and personal. The voice in our heads is not us. It is resistance. Those are thoughts those thoughts are not our thoughts. They are resistance. Resistance is an impartial force of nature like gravity and the laws of thermodynamics. Resistance is clever. It knows if it personalizes its manifestations, it can deceive us and slip past our defenses. It's like the software that enables direct mail marketers to send us letter and emails addressed, Dear Susie, it's bullshit. Resistant doesn't know who we are and it doesn't care. I like the, though it seems ultra personal, the voice of self loathing is in fact universal. It is impersonal. Yeah. Yeah. Now to the good news about self loathing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We'll we'll put it in the show notes, but this is definitely a a good article for those of you who, uh, who battle this kind of thing. Like some of us do. Yeah. Um, and Pressfield, there's some really, really nice stuff up there. Really inspiring stuff. Yeah. Have you ever read any of his books? Um, I have read the war of art. Okay. And I have uh, the profession sitting somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I these kinds of things are always a, a good little um, uh, sort of uh, uh, get you calibrated. Mm-hmm. They're a good calibration, uh, which I always like. Hey, did you see that uh, uh, Kodak Alaris, which is now the spinoff of Kodak that is still making film? Now this is the British portion of it. Yeah, I guess it's 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 all of the photographic stuff that was given to the British that fund employee, right? employees. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is supposedly teaming up with Lomography to to sort of say that we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep making film. Right now, I think it's interesting though that they're teaming up with Lomography and not. Well, I guess they, it's the only option left, right? Like no one else is using this. You know, very few people are still making film cameras. You know, right? Um, uh, it it is interesting. Some of the um, uh, 
some of the words that they use, like there, it almost feels like euphemisms, right? How so? Um, for example, uh, where's the one here? Um, uh, here, uh, are there any plans to bring back previously discontinued films? Again, it is a key for all film lovers that there are no immediate changes planned to our portfolio of photographic films. That said, all decisions to discontinue films in the past were driven by changes in user preferences or digital substitution. Like, I love the idea that it's it's not it's not getting rid of film. It's it's the digital substitution, Jeffrey. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, it's it's like this is. Look, this is not really an interview as much as it is a press release. That's yeah, what it's it's a, it's a marketing blurb, right? Yeah, um, but but it is interesting how PR written it is. You know, mm-hmm. in so many ways, um, they put out. This is really kind of ironic. In order to support film photographers, we developed our free Kodak Professional Film app for iOS devices. Right, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, genius. Um, you know, I, look, I, it's, it's great. You know, I hope they keep making film. Will I be surprised if they stop? No. You know, uh, sure. Keep doing it. You know, there, there is still something. Okay. Look at this. I'm going to send this little thing to you. Uh, this is a, a photo called coffee break. That's, it's one of the, one of the photos in the article. This role of Kodak Ektar 25 was expired since 1998. Yep. Pushed at one stop. Yeah. Okay. Do me a set of, filters or presets that can get me close to that and let me tweak a little further. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, There's still something about that, 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 that is, that is just lovely. The thing is that, okay, you, you, we're looking at what is probably scanned film, right? Mm-hmm. Who made the decisions of, of what curves were applied to the scanned film to get us this file that we're looking at? Well, that's that's a whole other ball of wax. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. That is just like it does not. It's not necessarily that this is on the film, right? It's it, even even the even film is is subjective. Yeah, and you know what? Even look at this picture. Okay, you you like the little picture. Look how much. Um, see the red, like her hair that's there. It almost looks like they overdid the saturation on the hair in post. Because see the skin right underneath the hair that's coming down mm-hmm. on her forehead mm-hmm. is also a little red. Like I see, it yeah, feels look, like they went in and played with this a little bit. Look at the whole top left, how much red you've got in that shadow area. Yeah, right. Instead of that, that being just crushed to, to black. Well, there, there's red in the places where there's light. It's crushed to black on the rest of it. Look at crushed to black. Look at the whole right side of her face, you know, the left side, of, the right side of her head, the left side of the picture of right. her face. That's all just black. There's nothing in there. You know, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's a beautiful photograph, but you know what? That, that photograph would have been beautiful if you shot it with anything. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Beautiful photographs are beautiful photographs. Somebody was saying something really interesting the other day that I didn't put in the show notes. Actually, it was somebody, one of our listeners or somebody on the group put it up an article that was saying that photography is more than just, uh, like, uh, what did it say? It was more than just pointing. You know, it's not about just pointing a camera and pressing the button. Right. Okay. There's more to it than that. And it was kind of an interesting sort of discussion. Um, mm. It kind of, uh, uh, it reminded me, you know, I think we'll, we'll save it for next week. Cause I think there's, there's a lot to talk about there. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe you can find that. Uh, we'll look for that article. Yeah. And uh, what about this newspaper without images that went around in like every photo thing this week? Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it's look, Pictures are important. Yeah. The fact that yeah. you have to do this to show me that says that apparently, you know. You know what? Uh, 
David Carson did that in the 80s with an interview with Brian Ferry, and he did the whole thing in Zap Dingbats. Yeah, which he was typed such that the whole a thing. Move. You know, it's okay, it's a statement, but is it going to change anything? It's a statement no. of how much of a jerk he was. Oh, come on. <laughs> Carson's awesome. <coughs> wow. No love for David Carson. Because you know, you can't read the interview. Yeah, well, they had the, they had the interview reprinted in the back. They had it reprinted okay. in the back. I just think that, you know, type and and photography and film and gear and all that kind of stuff and design is all in in is supposed to be working for the content. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working for the content and it is the content, then you're wasting everyone's time. Or you're making an artistic statement. You're not actually, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know. It's just like there, there's a point at which it just becomes like the story shouldn't be how the thing was typeset. The thing that should should be what words were typeset. Uh, you know? Okay. So so and so, how do you respond to this? Uh, they're they're removing images to support photographers, but in removing the images, they're not paying the photographers. They're not paying the photographers. <laughs> yeah. No, right. It's just, I mean, I, I, look, I think that this is like, ooh, you know, I think a better, a better thing would have been if somebody just as an artistic thing scanned a few pages of a newspaper and just in post pulled them out to show what it no, looks okay. like without images. But you I, know I think, what? The New Yorker didn't have photographs for 45 years right. and no one was complaining about it. And yeah, now they have a handful of photographs per, per thing. But like your words can work without images. I, you know, I, I think, I don't know. It, there's part of this to me that's interesting. I mean, they did kind of the same thing that Carson did. They 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 put the images in the back of the paper without the articles. So it's it's kind of the reverse. Okay. Um, See, that's wussy to me. It's like, go all in. Just leave them out. Yeah. All right. Um, well, then I guess we've covered that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess we did. Hey, uh, yeah, we're about time. What, who's the photographer of the week? This is your decision. Oh, great. Blame. I, yeah. But I like this guy. I'm standing by. Now, it, it, what I don't know is, is does he pronounce his last name Flatch or Flack? Would, uh, would you think the CH would be hard or, or... Where does he live? Where does he live? He lives... I think he's UK. He's UK. Uh, uh, I say Flack. Yeah? Okay. Well, we'll go with Flack Flatch? for now. Tim? No, maybe Flatch. Anyway, go ahead. Tim, uh, apologies if we are mispronouncing your name, uh, but we, we do love your work. Um, I, I am a huge fan of, of his work, uh, particularly the way he sort of anthropomorphizes animal portraits. There's a, a project that he did called More Than Human that is stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, this stuff is really cool. So these are largely, they're, they're photographs of um, <clears throat> animals, mm-hmm. uh, but incredibly well lit and photographed animals um uh baboons and apes and uh my personal favorite and the chicken dancing yep is incredible uh, i wonder how long it takes him to do this stuff it must take him forever yeah this must yeah. be like like those pictures of the bats yeah amazing those are amazing yeah um i also wonder how much um if he's using strobes with these or if he's using constant light just because you think that a lot of these animals would be completely spooked by flashes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've wondered about that. 
I mean, like an elephant could probably handle a flash. But, you but know, those bats, wouldn't you think they would just freak out? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use flashes on, say, that tiger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know the the pictures of the owls, uh, number nineteen on on the more than human portfolio. Right, right. Um, there's it's it's amazing. There's both a incredible detail to them, but also incredible softness to the images. Yes, there's a lot of post production being done on these, regardless. Uh, just because they're yeah, oh, they're gorgeous. They're they're works of art. The the uh, number um, twenty one, the the owl that's kind of twisted, yep. almost looks like he's like about to throw a discus. Yep, uh, that's just incredible. Wonder how much this yeah. costs for uh, prints of this guy's work. Beautiful, five hundred thousand dollars, probably a lot. Uh, Equus, another series on his site, um, as you would imagine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Number 29 in the more than human, the one of like just the sort of face shots of the tigers. <laughs> Hold on. Oh my God. Those are awesome. It's just like oh, yeah, these yeah, tigers yeah. like looking straight into the camera. <laughs> yeah. And the one, hold. The one on the right totally looks like Tigger. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy, uh, this guy has balls. Yeah. Amazing work. Beautiful work. And then you're right. It, very, very sort of, artistic painterly in some in some cases and yeah. then, yes there's a lot of post going on but it doesn't feel heavy-handed no or no, no. It's, it's 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 post in in uh uh what's the word i'm looking for the whole episode in support of you know something really good right you know what i mean right like it, the post is there for a reason it's not just to be post right. it enhances the work doesn't dominate it. exactly it's not trying to be joe greenberg it's 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 this is actually what i think joe greenberg is going for but better you know what i mean uh, okay sure like especially you know the lighting of like these animals and stuff is is mm-hmm. just like is flawless but lovely you know look at the uh look at the dogs the the dog's portfolio yep. just look at the second one the contact sheet of that dog doing its thing <laughs> that's so great so great that's not a dog what is that thing i don't know what they call that's those. not a dog that's a they mop look, no it's a it's it's, it's a mop yeah, oh, that's good funny. Um, yeah, this is this is fantastic work and uh, very much um, its own its own sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at number fourteen in the dogs. Right, hold on. What is that? A Springer Spaniel? Something like that? Going back, going back. Uh, number fourteen, you said? Yeah, fourteen and fifteen. Let me see. One, two, three. It's right after 14. the big close up of the nose. Oh, you like that? That's beautiful. a beautiful shot, yeah. Yeah. Nice locations too. Mm-hmm, oh, with the mm-hmm. birds coming up. Yeah. So he's like lighting in the fog with a strobe in the fog to get that. That's a cool look. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so uh, this guy Tim, must have so much patience. Yeah. That is the one thing I do not have. Beautiful work. So um, and you know what? Something you really different than what we normally talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is oh, this guy makes this makes me this guy makes me want to take pictures. Yeah, um, lovely the Dobermans with their ears busted up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay, thirty-one the Dalmatian photo number thirty-one in yeah. the dog's portfolio for those of you following along at home. Uh aw. look at a nice little beauty dish aiming down at the dog. Beautiful. So there you go. Yeah, totally good one. Uh, Tim Flatch. Do we decide Flatch or Flack? I don't know. 
Uh, ask Carl. Carl, uh, Carl, Carl knows, knows him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, see, I would buy prints from this guy. I would too. Gallery yeah. pl- print sales. Here we go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little research. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, you you need to uh, you need to. We're we gonna uh, crowdsource some some print money. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, I'd like to buy this print, would everyone like to buy it for me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I wonder, print this picture. Oh, that's, uh, interesting. Edition of 10. Oh, 120 centimeters by 120 centimeters. Oh my God. How awesome would that be? Big giant panda at four feet by four feet. Mm. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, see, this is when I wish I was independently wealthy. Then again, if you're independently wealthy, you wouldn't appreciate it you know if you could just get it then you wouldn't have to work for it and then it wouldn't be so as if exciting to, if you had to trade in your car to get one then that that's better yeah i'm gonna trade in my car to buy one <laughs> i don't know i'll i guess i have to buy a car first you gotta, you gotta buy a car first <laughs> I, <laughs> buy the car take the loss you know, trade it in buy a print uh the other day we heather uh, conrad and i uh went to go see uh ender's game right uh, because she needed to watch it for her new podcast and um, uh, went to the Ender's game and on, we were on the waiting for the subway and the subway was running really late. It was on Sunday and a uh, bunch of one train went by, but not the train we needed to get on. And there was this older woman standing there kind of getting like nervous and flustered. And we, she, we got on the same Wait, train because of you or because her train had not, because arrived. her train did not arrive. Ah, okay. Okay. And so she ended up getting on this other train with us to sort of do this roundabout way of getting to where we were going. And so we, we said, you know, you know, do you need some help or whatever it is? She goes, oh, I'm trying to get through whatever. Uh, and so I was waiting for the F and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then we started talking to her and I let her use my phone to call her friend when we were above ground for a couple stops. And um, she's lived in my neighborhood for 50 years. Oh, wow. And wow. She, she, she doesn't do any of this newfangled technology stuff. She just got an answering machine. Okay, where would you even go to buy an answering machine? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and she was her name was Flory. And she was a total sweetheart, but the 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 reason I bring it up is that she uh had five cars stolen in one decade. Wow. Like back in the 70s and 80s. In your neighborhood. Yeah, my neighborhood, you know, of course like like most places in New York City, like in the 70s and and 80s was like a real, you know, not the place you want to be. It was rough. Yeah. Your neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, so now it's, it's, it's just kind of funny that like now, I mean, now the place that she lives is one of the nicest places you can live, but like anything in American cities, there was a 15, 20 year period where things were so bad that, you know, she had five cars stolen. Wow. Uh, now she just stopped getting cars, which maybe answers the question of why her cars still don't get stolen. No, they, they wouldn't get stolen now. But anyway, uh, like 90 year old woman lived here for 50 years. Hmm. She was really, really cute. And so yeah, we, we, we want to be friends with Flory now. We got to go find her again. Um, anything else before we finish up? Uh, That's I a think good show. Good. I think so. Good show. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, I think it was a pretty solid show. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, how do they do that? Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, you can find Bill's work, uh, which hopefully maybe in the next 
You think you can do a comparison speed light softbox? Uh, uh, yeah, I can do that for Big next light week. softbox? Yeah, I'll do that for next week. All right, so that'll be up on ontakingpictures.com, Bill's blog. Uh, and you can get to their, they can get there from billwadman.com, right? Uh, to the blog, to ontakingpictures? Yeah. Uh, they can through the about page, but it's not really easy. So it's all convoluted. Okay. Go to ontakingpictures.com. Go to ontakingpictures.com. Uh, fadedandblurred.com. You can go there, get inspired, read some stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks again to Squarespace for their support of on taking pictures and five by five. Yeah. Uh, anything else? What's the phone number? What is the phone number? Three something three four seven six eight seven nine four one one three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. Not a lot of people use that for some no, we, reason. We need more people calling in. That's fun. Call in. Say hey. Uh, and I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, have a good week. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right. Say